at the risk of redundancy, let me tell you again why we do this, why we plan it. It's not because something's wrong, because there's this big thing to talk about, or there's this general sense of um, disappointment or aggravation that we, we sense. Uh, instead, we want to promote um, discussion. We want to promote openness. Uh, we want to facilitate your input and hear your questions. Uh, we want to practice this thing of um, hearing and receiving and speaking and communicating in love. And so this is one of our attempts to do that. And really, it's a welcome mat for us to do that all through the year. This is really just a reminder that, hey, we want to hear your questions. And so I hope you don't think, yeah, Elders Q&A is the one time of the year where you can put a beef into the comment card in the offering box and they'll talk about it, maybe. Uh, no, we, even better is to have a conversation in person uh, or over email. And so with a lot of the questions that we got in from you this week, thank you so much for those great questions uh, that came in over the past several weeks, actually. Um, we won't be able to answer all of them. But if we didn't answer your specific question, please don't think it's because we're trying to sweep that under the rug or we don't want to answer it. Some questions um, are very specialized questions. And so it might be that it's the, it's the curiosity of a, a 1% or 2% in the church and we have to kind of let one of those go in order to focus on things that are more 30%, 40% um, issues in people's minds in the church. And, uh, or sometimes it's a theological question, a great theological question, and we think, you can't answer that in five minutes. If we answer that in five minutes, people are going to go away confused. Uh, and so we would love to sit down with you over coffee or shoot you an email or send you an article, uh, especially with things like a, a theological question where we can um, hopefully be less likely to be understood, uh, misunderstood rather. Okay? Uh, you see up here on the screen, there it is. Uh, those are our elders, and hopefully you know them. There are their names and their faces. I'm going to ask these guys, including elder candidates, if they would join me up here. I'm not going to introduce each of these guys to you tonight uh, because they're their names, they're their faces. You'll see them up here, most of them. And if you don't know, uh, our website has bios on all of our leadership. So you ever think, I don't know that guy. Where, where did he come from? What's his story? Go to the website, click on leadership. Uh, click on a guy's name, a thing will drop down, and you'll get probably three, four paragraphs uh, on that guy and his story and how he came to DSC and what he does um, at Desert Springs Church. We don't have Ken Wesselman with us tonight, our newest elder. He's flying somewhere in the skies. And we don't have Tim Bradley with us tonight. Uh, Tim has some ongoing health issues, uh, recently diagnosed with Lyme disease. So we'll be praying for Tim in just a few minutes here about that, um, but the, the Lyme is a, a complication that's um, keeping him home uh, in, in bed tonight. In addition to our official elders, full elders, uh, we've got three other guys with us up here who are elder candidates. These are familiar faces to you, no doubt. Uh, Trent and Clint. These guys, um, Trent and Clint, are on staff, and he, of course, is going out uh, to North Africa as our first fully sent missionary um, in, in just a few months here. So there'll be uh, important pieces of the puzzle as we, as we discuss things tonight. Here's the plan for tonight. Um, we've got two really two halves 
to, the, to what we'll do. Two kinds of questions. We did this just like, uh, we'll do it just like last year. I'll ask these guys questions that you've written in, um, in the first half, and then we'll turn it over to our uh, resident Phil Donahue, Trent Hunter, who will roam about the crowd with a microphone. And, uh, and if you have a question then, then you can raise your hand, Trent will come to you as soon as possible, and you can ask your question there. Um, so we'll do a little bit of both of those kinds of questions tonight. Let's pray together before we get into it, though, and ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we thank you for this body. Their presence here means their care for your church and for this church specifically. We're thankful for that. We don't take that for granted one bit. We're thankful, Lord, for the support and encouragement and prayers that we as shepherds receive from the church. And, Lord, we're privileged to to be under shepherds here in this flock. We pray you'd be glorified, Lord Jesus, to help us tonight as we talk through issues of the church, as we talk through money and missions and plans for the future and ideals and, I'm sure, even shortcomings. We pray you'd be glorified to help us, for us to communicate clearly, uh, for questions to be asked clearly. Uh, We pray you would grow us in unity and love and care for each other. Uh, We pray you'd make us more like Jesus. I'm thinking of Philippians 2 and how Paul says there uh, to be humble and united and selfless, just like Jesus, have this mind in you who was also in him. He humbled himself and he he sacrificed even his own life in servantry uh, upon the cross. And so how much more should we, in much smaller ways, love and serve and be selfless to each other? Help us to do that tonight. Use tonight, we pray, to grow us in that, both as leaders and as uh, the flock together, leaders and the church. We thank you for Jesus who died in our place. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for thousands of benefits that we have in his name and that we share together. We pray in his name. Amen. All right, so we have three kinds of questions, three categories uh, of questions to ask these guys tonight. One, the biggest one, would fall under missions and money. Probably no surprise there. Uh, The second category would be ministry and discipleship. And then we've got a couple of, thirdly, theological questions, if we're able to get to those uh, as well. But we'll start with the the biggest category that you guys ask questions about, and that's uh, missions and money. So let me start right here to my left with Tim Ragsdale here. Tim, what's... uh, DSC's vision for community outreach beyond just community groups uh, doing something in, in, on mission together? Um, I, I can see why the question's asked because uh, local missions it seems to be eclipsed so easily by our global mission focus and uh, all the announcements we're getting about SNAP and all the exciting things going on there. Uh, but as far as local missions are concerned and community outreach, our primary focus is to equip you, to equip you to be contagious ambassadors for Christ wherever God has placed you. And we do have some strategic partnerships that we work with, uh, international students, ISI, we work with CareNet, we work with uh, Peaceful Habitation. Um, and, but our focus, again, is not on events. We're not going to put on a lot of concerts and and give altar calls and those kind of things. We want to 
equip you to be an, an ambassador for Christ where you are every day. And so it's very different from, uh, from global missions in that there, are, there, are no, there aren't the logistics involved. You're already here. We don't have to send you. We don't have to train you in language. We don't have to uh, uh, help you set up a business, any of that. So our focus is on equipping you, and that's right now. Uh, and we're going to be ramping up our equipping ministry, uh, teaching more of the ambassador-type courses, the, the biblical discipleship and counseling classes. And we will continue to encourage our community groups to outreach, outreach together or support one another in individual outreach. Uh, that's great. Wouldn't one other thing be Christianity Explored? Yes. Say, say yes. something about that. Yeah, we, we've, we've, we've that. done Christianity Explored in-house in the, in the building. It's a great class, for, and it's a, question, it's a class we can invite anybody to it. Uh, one of the things we love about it is we train table leaders for it, and that's a great opportunity as well. But we prefer to do that class off campus through somebody who says, hey, I want to lead that class. We will do everything we can to get you equipped and set up to do it. Uh, again, uh, we're here to equip you and put a fire in your tail, and hopefully uh, somebody's going to step up and want to do it. Great. Clint, any other partnerships that we should know about local-wise? No, Tim mentioned, uh, mentioned I think, few. three of the four, ISI, International Students, cool things going on there. We've got folks in our body right here leading uh, small Bible studies through, through the scriptures and people coming to faith through ISI. So that's a really cool program. Net, Peaceful Habitation, he mentioned CareNet, uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center. Uh, there's a huge opportunity to love people who are in hard crises at the moment and they're, they're open to hearing the gospel. And then uh, there's Love, Inc. who helps us uh, think wisely and discern um, people's uh, monetary and physical needs and, 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 and open up doors for uh, gospel proclamation in their lives too. So all those partners need volunteers. They need help. They need money. We, we're upping our financial commitment to them this next fiscal year, and hopefully we can up our uh, personal volunteer commitment as well. Cool. Hey, Ron, let me ask you this. Uh, one part of mission is church planting, and that must be a significant part of our mission because it's a whole line item in the bulletin that gets updated each week under the finances. When people look at church planting and see a number next to that, what is that church planting representing? All right, let me give a shot at this, and then Clint can always help me out, who's real good at numbers. Clint is, that is. Um, let me go back to summer of 2010. So uh, if you weren't attending here at that point in time, I'll sometimes link people, send them an email, link them to a message Ryan did in August 2010 that was called Spreading God's Glory Broader and Deeper Through Church Planting. Studying the book of Acts, and one of his main points was in Acts, what we see is this both and. It's local and it's global. And those aren't diametrically opposed or even different animals because any local church plant, if it's done right, will help to increase and feed and fuel global missions. So when we plant Redemption Church, we're thinking they're going to start with 10% and hopefully do more toward overseas missions. And uh, with them being at a budget now of about 200000 that means 20000 or so in the coming years, each year, goes toward places like, for the first few years, same place in North Africa we're ministering in. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, when you give to church planting, you go online and you just see church planting, you don't see SNAP, that's going to both areas. You can almost judge by the amount of, I don't know, buzz or, or stuff you see on Sunday mornings 
where the focus is in any given year. 2011, spring 2012, you heard a lot about redemption. Guess what? Church planting money was going to Redemption Church to plant it. What have we heard this year? A whole lot about SNAP. Guess what? We're gearing up toward uh, free force of church planting in our next fiscal year, which starts next week, October 1st, going toward SNAP, and only one-fourth going toward Redemption Church, and then a year from that, 100% toward SNAP. Uh, so those are some general um, things that one question came in. How, how do we do with Redemption Church? Well, our original plan or dream that we talked about in, must have been 2010, was 300000 over four years. Uh, that was kind of like best case scenario. This is what we're hoping to do. And as you guys might know in planning family budgets and, and trying to plan for trips or vacations or short-term missions trips, you plan and then there's a conversation, a dialogue, an adjusting that happens every year and sometimes every month. So we're not going to make that with Redemption Church. Uh, we're going to do three years instead of four years and it'll end up being a total of 220, maybe 230,000 instead of 300. Uh, but you should know this, at no point in time, and Clint and I meet with Lowe's and his elders at, at least once every six months, at no point in time did Lowe's come to us and say, oh man, if you guys don't give us another 5,000 in the next 30 days, we're not going to make our lease. Uh, so that's never happened. So in fact, uh, we proposed to him uh, 30000 for the third year, which starts again next week. He came back after talking with his elders, saying, we really need forty-three, but we can do it forty-three. You know, the vast majority of our own money, people are giving, uh, but if you can do one more year for this amount, we can make it. We said, yeah, let's do that. So uh, we didn't hit our goal with redemption, but it's planted, it's growing, and it's not in danger of, I don't know, going down instead of up. Um, and I've got numbers here. If you email me, I could easily email, email these to you. So could Clint. Uh, I'll go through them real quick, but again, just email us. Fiscal year 2011. Again, our fiscal years start October 1st, so that means end of 2010 and then most of 2011. Uh, you guys gave 67000 to church planting, all of which went into a SNAP savings account. Fiscal year 12 was 62000 a little less. All of that went to redemption. Fiscal year 13, the one we're in now that we'll finish up in just a few days, uh, was 120000 almost that much. 90000 went to redemption, 30000 to SNAP, and then the year that we'll start next year we're anticipating, all of us giving about 150000 and all that except 43000 goes to SNAP, then the year after that it's 100%. So again, in no year is it a 50-50 split, local and global. It's always being adjusted. Uh, but part of the big thought there is this is not oh, I wish I could designate and tell you guys this versus that. Uh, we're asking you, please believe us, this is the best way of doing things. I'll give you one quick example, and I'll let Clint add in some numbers if I've forgotten them. England used to be a missionary-sending country. I think we all know that. 1700s, 1800s, they sent out hundreds and thousands of missionaries around the world. England right now is dead spiritually in terms of Christianity. It's not dying, it's dead. Uh, and a friend of mine went from South Korea last month with his wife to England to be missionaries. Uh, our country is headed toward that. Uh, in another one to 200 years, our country is headed toward being where England's at. Uh, we have 4,000 churches that die each year, and we have 4,000 churches that are planted, but more than half of those don't make it. So you do the math, that's a net of over 2,000 churches going out of business and not being replaced every year. 
So we cannot be isolationist. We cannot say, hey, let's just do all we can to send every missionary we can and pay their full support and forget about other people. No, we work with Gospel Coalition churches and partner with them. We plant a church that is a church planting church, and we work with churches outside of our region. Zach's church in Madison, Wisconsin, our former worship leader in a church in Texas we're working with. So I'll stop or I'll just go on for another hour. So, Clint, any numbers that I haven't kind of mentioned? Well, um, you guys remember 2011, we really encouraged folks to think about a dollar a day. In 2012, $2 a day. And it's kind of gimmicky, but hopefully a helpful, helpful way to grab onto these things. Well, in total, we've, as a church, given, um, as of two weeks from now, unless something crazy happens, we will have given a quarter of a million dollars to church planting since we started in 2010, which is really, really great. A hundred thousand of that went straight to a savings account for the SNAP team. Uh, we call it our war chest for that uh, spiritual battle that's coming. And, uh, and, and then the other 150 has been used um, to help get Redemption Church off the ground. So um, if that helps to kind of capture what's happened over the last four years. And we're just asking that God will keep us committed and keep us generous and keep us giving and keep us praying. Two more questions financially related to missions. Clint, uh, one, are we ahead or behind on the budget for the SNAP families? Yeah, specifically for the two, SNAP. Right? Let, me, let me, I do have some notes on that. Right now we have $100,000 in, in, in our war chest, in our SNAP savings account that we've been slowly putting money away for. Um, one of the reasons we do that is because they need a lot of money up front. Um, we just wrote a check yesterday or two days ago for $60,000 to Pioneers, our mission agency, um, which helps cover things like their first semester of school in language school in France and some of their housing that's associated with that. And it's also meant to help cover some of their uh, flight costs over as well as some of their packing and shipping costs. So uh, we've got 100000 in the bank. We've got... Uh, we had 160,000 in the bank three days ago. Um, we're averaging 2,300 a week right now, giving towards church planting. That does take in consideration the spring for SNAP. You guys heard the buzz from spring for SNAP all the way back from March. We've got a silent auction coming up at the end of October. We've got many but mighty golf tournament this week. So, so accounting all those kind of fundraising efforts and just the normal every week, every month people giving, we're averaging 2,300 to support two families full-time, to free them up for the ministry that they're... They ought to be doing. Um, we'll talk maybe some more about that, what that means. But to, in order to do that well and to do that according to uh, uh, our, our, our partner Pioneer's projections, it's really $100,000 per family, which is, which is $4,000 uh, a week for two families. $4,000 a week for two families. So we want to see that average weekly giving creep up. And that's the number you'll see in the budget is relative to what we'd like to see happen in in climbing and climbing. It peaked out during Spring for Snap at 3700 a week. So it was really cool to see all that energy and all that giving, but it was um, sort of centering around those events. And the bottom line is, is um, in order to be sustainable long-term, it'll, it'll take regular um, recurring gifts. So. so you already hinted at my second question. Okay. Uh, people are curious, why does it cost so much money to fund a family in North Africa? Um, shouldn't it be cheaper? Well, you have to drive a Hummer in North Africa, and you know, everybody has, everybody has sticker shock whenever they hear $100,000 for a missionary family, oh my gosh. 
Um, all the stories you hear about are people living in villages with thatched roofs and they're living off the land and they have their own chickens. And um, For one thing, that's not all that strategic globally today. Uh, people are moving towards cities in, in, in mass numbers right now and, and, and our vision is for a church planting movement. So we're not sending to the boonies, we're sending them to a city so that they can uh, make disciples and plant churches by God's grace. Um, he is going to take a 5% pay cut in take-home pay from where he's working right now. Um, most, only about half of what you see in that 100000 actually um, goes towards specific personal allowance, ch- children's allowance, children's education. But there's a lot of dynamics going on. Think about your job and your company and what all it takes to support your position at that company. You, they, they pay your side of the insurance. They pay their side of the Social Security. A missionary has to raise all that money. They have to raise their money to fly back to the United States every couple of years with their family of five. When's the last time you saved for a Europe or North Africa uh, vacation to fly halfway around the world? He's got to raise support for that monthly, and that's included in his monthly budget. There's Social Security, there's uh, insurance, there's, uh, there's even some in there for retirement. Um, it's, it's better to think in the big picture of, of how much it costs to sustain somebody completely, not just what's take-home pay, because so, they are actually taking a cut in pay. Yeah. Kids so, schooling would be another. Kids schooling, ki- uh, ministry. Public, public school there is not really education. Um, they teach them the Quran half the day, and then, um, and then they, they, they run through like sixth or seventh grade. It just it doesn't go long-term. Um, so, so they're going to enter a French school. And this, North Africa was all French colonized. So really, financially speaking, economically, the cities are French cities in that sense. They've grown up around a French ideal of, of economy and growth. So um, big cities in North Africa actually are more like French cities financially than they are um, like that imaginary missionary village that we all have in our heads. <laughs> so okay. that, that helps. helps. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to you. Uh, what have we done as a church to prepare you for this? What will pioneers do to help sustain you, be there for you, and what do you have spiritually there in the field um, in addition to whatever DSC can do from far away to keep you going and keep you godly and persevering? Yeah. Um, let me just first say, as, as they're saying these numbers, um, that's a lot of gravity there. I know you guys are um, giving, and I'm so thankful this church uh, being sacrificial and sending us to the nations. Um, so what has DSC done? Uh, you guys have invested in us. Uh, we've invested in, been invested in by the elders and by uh, many relationships that we've had here. Uh, a lot of good friends and, and just uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that have done the one another's with us and uh, help us, helped us to grow. So uh, you know, I, I feel like the last five years that we've been here, um, there's just going to be a night and day difference between when we lived in North Africa before. We lived there from 2005 to 2008. Um, and my perspective on the church, my perspective on, on life, uh, and it, it's, been large, it's been so much due to um, the teaching in this church and the people in this church. So um, what you've done over the past five years is invest in us, and, and we're very thankful for that. What Pioneers is doing for us is they, they provide a structure um, for us to interact with other missionaries. So uh, part of the, the cost of going is 
is paying a fee to pioneers to be a missions agency for us, which gives us a structure of, of missionaries in France and in North Africa um, that we're going to be able to, to fellowship with. So once we get to France, uh, I foresee what we'll be doing is um, joining a French church there and hopefully being edified. It's going to be in French, so uh, that, that might be tough at first, but um, joining a French church while we're there. And then after 2014, near the end, whenever we head to North Africa, um, it will be other missionaries is where we will be getting a lot of our uh, interaction with other Christians. Um, but, you know, that's, that's one side of it. That's people over there. The other side of it is we hope to continue relationships to the extent possible. We hope to continue relationships here over email, um, over Skype, over whatever, with people in Desert Springs. And there will be ministry to us that way and hopefully ministry to you um, in those relationships. Great. Thanks. All right, one more financial question before we uh, move on uh, to another category, and that's um, for Ron. And I'll just quote this question because it's, it's worded in a way that I think maybe others have, have thought. Uh, what's the deal with the expensive new kitchen the eve before we send our first family to North Africa? It seems like poor money management. Take it All away, right. Ron. <laughs> uh, let me give you a couple kind of general preface remarks, which would be good to know just about facility planning in general around here. And then I'll, I'll talk after hopefully just a minute or two of that about the specifics. Like you walk in and there's granite there, so, or there are really nice cabinets. So I'll hit those two. I'm not going to avoid them. Uh, a lot of what happens around here, uh, that's more behind the scenes, but you'll see it visibly, is gifted or at a really, really big, what we'd say a discount, like getting something for wholesale or less. Uh, I'll give you a few quick examples. Our landline phone system, gifted. Um, a lot of our security, both mag locks on doors and video cameras you see around the building, gifted from two different guys in two different businesses to the tune of thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, you'll see a professional landscape service at least twice a month outside our grounds, all gifted to us, um, not even discounted. Other things are very much discounted but can't be given for free. So a lot of the kitchen is an example of that. The cabinets were done by a guy in church here who runs a cabinetry business. Um, saved us thousands, and I mean more than two or three thousand uh, dollars on cabinet. So I'll hit that in a minute. So that's kind of one preface. Uh, always come and ask or talk to me or somebody else if you've got questions, because often we're saving money, yeah, spending it, but long term hoping to save money uh, by getting stuff that lasts longer and, and is of a better quality. Uh, another quick comment: any given year, we'll spend twenty to twenty five or thirty thousand dollars on building repairs or upgrades in any year. Now the kitchen didn't cost that much, but I'm saying three or four or five projects will total that amount. So yeah, we're a few months away from leaving. From my point of view as administrator, that doesn't change. We still do repairs every year. We'll still do them two years from now when we send Campbell's out. Um, every year we do that kind of a thing. Maybe the final preface thing uh, is that it's is not really a kitchen, so let me explain that for a minute. Um, it's, it's a better kitchen than what you guys have at home, and it's a not better kitchen in some senses. When we first built the building in 2002, the elders at that time, uh, with our architect, saved in a bunch of different areas. 
they basically did stuff that, in some areas, that would not last, not built to last, uh, or lower grades so they could do stuff like this great worship center. I mean, fortunately, we don't have to talk about expanding this thing right here. They put more of a footprint here and in certain areas less of a footprint. Or they saved money so that we could have this worship center. Uh, so, case in point, kitchen doesn't have a stove, range, oven, um, a hood over that uh, that meets code with a ventilation system. That would have doubled the cost of the kitchen. If we would have put that in a month ago, that would have doubled the cost of our renovation. So, there are areas in which we're saving. And what you see is really more of a food I don't know, call it a storage and prep area. So you can bake at your home kitchen. We really can't bake there. But in many senses, it's better than what you have. And what's one reason there? We do meals for anywhere from like 50 to 250 people. So get to some specifics as to why we did the renovation. Uh, One, cabinet space. Cabinets were jam-packed. And now we've got more cabinet space. Uh, Two cabinets along two walls were really pretty cheap. They were white, just pressed sawdust and glued together, and they had broken a couple of shelves. Uh, we needed more counter space. If you'd gone in there a couple months ago, and for years now, we've had some tables that make an island in the middle. Uh, so we've got more counter space than that even, because even that wasn't enough. So we created new counter space along one wall. Uh, didn't have enough electricity going to it. Ladies have told us for years that you can plug a slow cooker and a steamer into the same receptacle and blow a fuse. It's happened dozens of times. Uh, And then there were maybe 20 little things. The sink was too small to really wash out coffee pots. So we put a bigger sink and a faucet in there. So I could go on for a half hour about some of the rationale as to what happened. So cabinets I mentioned, uh, we spent weeks researching this. Uh, We had a lady in church, and I don't mind mentioning her, as Patrice, who put literally over 100 hours of volunteer work into doing research for this. Uh, And for weeks... She came back and forth from Lowe's, Home Depot, other stores, and said, okay, here's sale price, cabinets, but we've discovered this guy in church who will make better quality, and it's no more. So I didn't think about that much at all. I said, okay, let's get the better quality. Uh, The granite took me longer to think about, so I'll kind of close with that. Uh, We were going to get Corian. Uh, However, came across one style and color of granite, and only that one, which was a black and white speckled thing, which we got because it matched our colors, that was on a clearance. So it wasn't one of like 10 kinds that were 20 or 30% off. And it didn't cost any more than sale price Corian or a nicer laminate. So I thought about that for a good amount. Uh, Patrice will know that. Some of the guys on staff will know that. And my thought was, should I not get that because it looks like it's high-end stuff and it looks like we're burning money. So I decided to get it I wouldn't do that if we had that same deal for the foyer. So let's say we put new laminate in, in there a couple of years ago. Let's say somebody came along and said, I can put granite in for no more. I'd say no to that. Why? Because that's a very public area. And people could walk in and say, you're a church that has granite for your, all of your coffee and info center countertops? Man, this is a rich person's church. I don't want to go here. Uh, but the kitchen is not a public area. And so... Granite being much more durable, it's going to last, I don't know, 20 or 30 years more than other countertops. It's not going to burn. It's not going to scratch. Because it doesn't scratch, uh, it's not going to have bacteria that that hang in those scratches. So it's going to be a cleaner, more sanitary, hygienic food prep area. Uh, There's just a bunch of reasons why. Thought about it for a while, even a week, 
but said, okay, you know, let's, let's go with the granite. So, I don't know, those are a couple thoughts about what went into it. Uh, again, would love to have you come by, talk, shoot me an email if you want any details or, or further explanations on that kind of stuff. I think 9 out of 10 people have said, wow, it's great, I'm so glad we've got it. But yeah, there is that 1 out of 10 that it's not critical, it's just more walking in saying, this looks great, but was this really a wise investment of funds? So it's a good question, a very valid question. And again, I'm talking too long on this, but if you want more, you know, let me know, ask me. Okay, let's move on to ministry questions. Uh, Tim Ragsdale, uh, tell us why it isn't mandatory at DSC for members to uh, join a community group. Because they're a big deal around here, right? Right. We, we do focus very heavily on community groups, and we see that as the primary and best way for us to practice the one another's of the gospel. Um, but we've got to keep in mind that it's, it's not something that's mandated in the scripture, thou shalt join community groups. We have a function that needs to be met there, and we've created a form, or we would call it trellis and vine language of some of our previous studies. But we, uh, we, we have people who need fellowship with one another, with other Christians, and we have people in ministry, in church, in this church, who have excellent uh, friends and Christian uh, fellowship outside of a community group, community group structure. So it's meeting that need. Uh, on the other side of that, if there are people who just flat don't want uh, any kind of personal interaction, fellowship, uh, personal accountability, then that's uh, an area where we need to encourage and, and, and implore you to... Uh, you know, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, I heard once said. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, we're, it's not, we're, we're not going to be legalistic about it. We're going to provide you what you need as best we can. Yeah. Clint, why don't you answer this? We plan for everyone to chip in on this, but we're short on time. Give us a quick answer. Uh, can someone leave their community group for another one? If so, how? There are good reasons to leave a community group, switch over to another one. I'm thinking geographic issues, you move to another home. Um, I'm thinking uh, logistical scheduling issues, you, had, uh, you just adopted three kids, you just had uh, a biological child, um, things change. Um, there's bad reasons, not so good reasons, I guess you could call them, to switch community groups. Your personal preferences aren't being met. You have a more of a mentality of uh, this thing exists to serve me instead of vice versa. And, and, and so um, I would say ask yourself first, why do I want to leave? And then if you find yourself to have good reasons, and either way, ask your community group leader for input. Don't just stop going for sure. Don't just stop going and looking around. Um, we we want to get away. We want to well, not get away, but we want to stay, stay far away from community group shopping and where's the one that's going to meet my needs most. But talk to your community group leader. Ask them for prayer, for input, and then uh, ask them for counsel and, and make a decision and 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 ask for their blessing, and they'll give it to you. I think, I think we've assessed our community group leaders hopefully well enough that there'll be guys who give blessing to those kinds of things and not resistance. Great, thanks. All right, two theological questions for Trent to be done in four minutes. <laughs> two minutes each. First, does God have a special plan for Israel, or is his blessing moved to Christians alone, Jew and Gentile, together? That's a great question, right? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, this, this question is really uh, interesting. You know, anytime you open your Bible and you, you read anything, you've got to know where it is in the Bible. So the question of Israel church relations, how that relates to Jesus and the blessings that come to God's people is a very good question for Bible readers to ask. So I hope it's a question you're all curious about. Um, key text. So uh, Ephesians 2 says that God from Jew and Gentile is making one new humanity. The church, the church is a new man, new humanity, a race in Christ, not a race in Adam. So if the New Testament teaches and in various other places that the church is a new humanity, um, what, what of God's promises to Israel? What of the Old Testament's story of Israel and God's plan for Israel? Well, I think we can say that God has one plan of salvation, one plan of salvation progressively unfolded across time that includes ethnic Israel at different times and in different ways. One plan of salvation, not two different peoples, two different plans. One plan of salvation over time. Galatians 3 is is key here. Galatians 3 addresses this question. Much of the New Testament is dealing with Galatians, Romans, 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the interplay between covenant, the covenantal shift, the inauguration of the new covenant, coming of Christ. In Galatians, you have this going on. And Paul says that Jesus Christ is the true offspring of Abraham, the one who receives the promises of Abraham and through whom the blessing of Abraham comes to the nations, through whom it's possible that blessing can come to the nations, that original promise to Abraham in Genesis. And that those who are united by faith to Jesus Christ, who is the true child of Abraham, the true Israelite, receive all the blessings that are Jesus's, by virtue of their union with Christ. And so the church, as those made up of men and women who have faith in Jesus Christ, an Israelite born under the law, who fulfilled the law, uh, the church receives the blessings that were promised to Israel. So so, uh, does God have a plan, a special plan for Israel? Yes and no. Um, He has a special plan for Israel, but not as maybe uh, that would be conceived of uh, by by some. Uh, Romans 11 is a key passage to mention as well. Um, I would say, and, and, and at different points of my answer here, guys may differ in, in some slight uh, ways, but I think Romans 11 does speak to a kind of um, wonderful blast of conversion that God will grant to ethnically Jewish people. Not in fulfilling promises that are yet unfulfilled in Jesus Christ or applied to the church but he will bless ethnic Israelites uh, in unifying them with his one people, grafting them into his one people, the church, at some future time. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, For me, going into seminary in 2005, the question of Israel church, God's promises, was the big question that I was committed to coming out of seminary answered because it's so important. And I uh, am blessed to talk with folks about at least where I landed, um, at our, however you'd like and whenever you'd like. Hope that helps. Okay, with 15 seconds left, you <laughs> have this question. Yeah. Just kidding. Take, take just a two, take two to three minutes, if you would, a, sure. to answer this one. It's a big one. Uh, so this is hard to cram in, I know, but um, here goes. What does DSC think of homosexuality, especially relevant, uh, especially relative to current events in the news? and some of the arguments that people use that we should be more inclusive and that this is a new civil rights movement, et cetera. 
Yeah, very good. Um, For a night like this, if that question or a question in this department was not raised, it would be a signal of cultural aloofness, um, we'd have to say. So if we love our neighbors and we love the Bible and we live in this world, that's a question I I hope we're all asking in different ways. Um, So I'm happy to answer it. First, Christians, you know, what, what, what does DSC think of homosexuality? First, first thing we have to say is that we believe the Bible teaches that homosexuality, homosexual lust uh, and acts are sin. So key texts would be Genesis 1 and 2, which we have to think worldview categories here, creation, order of the universe, how God make us. Genesis 1 and 2, he made men and women complementary for one another, for union and marriage, inside which sexual relations were designed to flourish uh, and to, to give uh, way to fruitful, uh, fruitfulness and bearing of children. So sexual relations are for marriage. Genesis 3, the fall. Post-fall, all of us are born in Adam, totally corrupted. So you're born wanting all kinds of things you shouldn't want. Um, you're, you're born with all kinds of desires you shouldn't desire. Me too. And all of us have a sexual profile that includes desires that are inordinate, that are not in accordance with God's design. And homosexuality is on the spectrum. It is a perversion of God's original design for human sexuality to be enjoyed in marriage. And all of us have perverted sexual desires. All of us have perverted desires of many kinds. Um, Romans 1 uh, makes clear that homosexuality or, or the unnatural relation of men with men and women with women, which is explicitly referenced in Romans 1, is a reason why God's wrath is revealed against uh, all ungodliness and unrighteousness, and it flows from false worship in the heart. So uh, we've traded God's glory for the creation, and we've traded the truth of God for a lie, and God has given us over to our, our desires. So it's rooted in false worship. It's ultimately a matter of religion in the heart. So regarding the cultural aspect of the question, it's all very important. Um, marriage is kind of at the heart of this. This is kicking all this up, uh, the legislation and, and uh, movement within the culture with respect to marriage. Christians have to say that marriage is a pre-political institution that is designed by God. He drew up for our good and for his glory. So whatever the state may say, whatever popular culture may say, the marriage is not decided by or defined by the state or any state. It is merely recognized by the state, supported and helped to flourish by the state because it's recognized as a good, a social good that brings good to humanity, which is part of the state's responsibility. Um, we, we can't just say it's sin. We can't just make sure we are clear on a definition of marriage. We need to also say whenever we speak about these things, whenever we think about these things, and think about those with same-sex attraction, attraction is uh, remember that there is great hope for all sinners in Jesus Christ. We can, our message to, the homosexual, uh, to a homosexual would be that you aren't what you desire as we aren't what we desire. Um, we aren't defined by our sexual attraction, by our sexual desires. That's important. The wider culture, since this is rooted in false worship, wants to define us according to our desires. And we can't... We can't subscribe to that. That's why I don't particularly like the language of homosexual, heterosexual. We're all image bearers of God in Adam with particular diverse perversions in sin. 
And this is, I think, same-sex attraction. A person with same-sex attraction is a better way to conceive of this. So we say you're not defined by your sin. We can say there is hope for redemption. God redeems sinners. Like all, he sent Jesus because he so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And that God would offer to anyone of, with any sin in their past or, or, or desire salvation in Jesus. And we can offer hope in a community in the church for those who are converted. Um, the struggle against homosexual same-sex attraction would not be unlike any sin of uh, drunkenness, a love for the bottle, an addiction to gambling, an addiction to food. Or Many of us know of the vices and enslavements to sin. And, and, and the struggle with same-sex attraction is not unlike that. And so the, the Christian with that kind of an attraction, and I have some friends who have struggled with this, must fight sin like they fight any sin. And um, those of us without that are uh, imagine doing things and desire to do things with women that aren't our wives in that sin. And we need to recognize all of us who aren't, don't have same-sex attraction that we, are, we too are perverted in some significant and destructive ways. And, but for the grace of God, all of us would give ourselves wholesale to our desires. So there's great hope. We must say it's sin. We've got to be clear on what marriage is for God's glory and our good. And um, there is great hope. We have a message of the gospel. Why don't we move to phase two? This isn't exactly two halves or two equal parts, but we'll take 15, 20 minutes or so for uh, any questions you guys want to bring up tonight. Turn things over to Trent. All right. So you called me Phil Donahue. Are we on? Very good. If you have a question for any of these men, this is the more spontaneous part of the night. So we've gotten these questions from you. We didn't make them up. Uh, but here, these are questions that they have no idea are coming, but they are uh, hopefully, uh, I expect, competent and happy to answer. And like, like Ryan said at the start, there may be some questions that we have decided not to answer tonight for good reasons, and, and some of these we may uh, kick to a personal conversation, so be ready for that possibility. With that, I'll turn it over to you. Raise your hand. I'll come to you and give you the mic. I'll hold the mic, and if you will, please be brief. All right. No running in the auditorium. Uh, what's going on with the church directory? I haven't heard anything since we took all the pictures. We can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Ron. Uh, my bad for not putting something in the bulletin and even announcing something earlier in the summer. Uh, it is done. It is up. Uh, so that I should get something in this Sunday's bulletin. Uh, I'd rather say this, email me and I'll email you the password, so we don't want the password to be completely public. Um, but uh, if you'll email me, it's just ron at desertspringschurch.org, I'll give you the password. You go on the website, about, then directory, and then you're there. So the photos you guys took, had taken through the spring, uh, are all up there. They look really good. And we'll also announce that in October, we're going to restart the picture taking, but at the rate of once a month. Probably third Sunday in each month. You won't have to sign up. Just know that you know, you'll see in the bulletin, oh, next week is pictures if I want to take them because I didn't get a chance in the spring or I've had a new baby born and we want to get it retaken. So we're going to try to do ongoing throughout the year, one Sunday a month to update the directory, but it is done. So again, my bad for not making that clear and communicating it. Another question.
you tell us a little bit about the continuing education that's coming up? Sure. Tim Ragsdale? Yes. Uh, I'm so glad you asked. He didn't. No. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, um, w there are a number of reasons we're going to do it. I'll just start with what we're going to do first, and that's we're going to ramp up adult education so that there will always be something going on for adults to be being equipped uh, in the Word. Ambassador-type classes we'll be doing uh, through, through books of the Bible. We'll be uh, on an ongoing basis so that you have the opportunity to not be wondering all the time, is there something going on? You know, we've had these short courses. They've been great. But the attendance has been sporadic because it's just not people's normal uh, routines on Sunday morning. Hey, I don't know if there's going to be anything, so I'm just going to go for one service. We will have something here for you. And it also will lend itself to helping out with those who want to be able to have their kids go to youth, uh, the, the youth ministry and, and then worship together during the, uh, during the 9 o'clock hour. They'll have somewhere that they can go for adult education as well. So, uh, but we're going to be doing ambassador-type stuff. We're not just going to rehash the same material. It's, uh, we'll be getting stuff from uh, some of the national global... Uh, Gospel Coalition Church, uh, churches that have some tremendous materials already created, we'll go through it and uh, uh, DSCIs it a little bit. And uh, so it's it's always going to be relevant stuff. It's always going to you don't have to wonder. Oh, is it going to be you know Leviticus or uh, we're going to be equipping you to be ambassadors for Christ, and uh, so that you will have confidence, develop confidence that you'll know what to say and and. Uh, how to open that door for evangelism and those kind of things. Uh, do I need to get more specific or probably should shut up? So go ahead. You should probably, I was just joking. Um, yeah, so what Tim's talking about would, in some churches might be called Sunday school, an, an, an on-site Sunday morning class instruction. Uh, another question from the floor. I moved all the way over here to accommodate these folks, Roger. Now I... Okay, this is three for one on this side. I, I guess this might be for Ron, I'm not sure, but um, you said all of our, our budget for, for missions is going to go towards SNAP next year. I seem to recall when we started Redemption that we were talking about uh, trying to do a... Uh, more of a church startup locally every three or four years or so. Uh, and I don't hear you talking about that anymore. So are, are we, is that not part of our vision anymore? Or is it, is it all going to, uh, you know, foreign mission lands? Uh, I'll give a brief response and then let Clint kind of tag on. So maybe it's for both of us. Uh, depends what we mean by next year to go back to what you said earlier. If next year is next fiscal year, which starts next week, uh, Three-fourths, roughly, will go to SNAP, and then we've got 43000 in our third year toward redemption. So not 100% in the fiscal year we're about to start, but a year from now, I'm sure I said a year from now, it'll be 100%, which it will be, as we start a fiscal year a year away, 12 months away from now. Uh, we did talk about the possibility of every three, four, five years trying to do a local church plant. Um, we still return to that occasionally as elders, but what we need to rework or think through is whether we can do it to the extent we did it with redemption. And there's kind of a general agreement that we can't. Uh, in other words, the next local church plant, which won't be 10 years in the future, will very likely be something where the guy might be bivocational. 
so uh, like Clint said, our church, meaning you guys and all of us, have done an amazing job. I mean, the general budget has not gone down, but we've added, like Clint said, we're like a week away from a quarter of a million dollars on top of general budget giving. 10% of general budget giving is to missions already. So this is missions on top of missions, basically. So we're growing in very significant ways, and 100% of the growth is missions, which, again, is local and global. Um, so it, it won't be 15 years before we do our next look at something locally or regionally, but it, it, chances are it won't be uh, with a price tag of what will end up being maybe $220,000, $230,000. And part of that is we'd never want to go to the families in North Africa and say, oh, wait a minute, we're so committed to local church plants that we've got to pull you guys back for five years and, and not follow through on that truly unreached people group. So anyway, I'll stop there and let Clint kind of add his thoughts. Who, who among you that has more than one child has not uh, bought all brand new clothes for your first child and then thought that second child's going to just wear those clothes again? <laughs> um, <laughs> We, we want we want redemption to, redemption church to succeed we want to we wanted to send them out the door with a lot of love a lot of people um, uh, we the more we are in the longer we were in church planting locally the more we learned about it and and the more we've asked ourselves questions like if we're going to do this long term with the amount of giving that we're seeing in our church right now how can we do that in a more maybe sustainable way um, but we're really happy about where Redemption Church is. We're really happy about the growth they're seeing. We're really excited that they're going to send out their own church planter globally and that one day, Lord willing, they'll be big enough um, to, to, uh, plant, to, to take over for the majority of their own missionary out of their church and freeing up us to send more globally and more locally to plant churches. They must be doing all right over Redemption, though, because uh, Los bought me lunch today. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure it was on the redemption credit card. <laughs> All right. Any other questions? Have one down here. There's one in the back, Trent. One in the back. Very good. Back. Where's that hand? Oh, very good. Uh, with the crisis in Syria and the crisis in Kenya, how do we... I have a hard time going to work every day when things like this is going on in the world because I kind of care about what's going on and I don't want to just put my head down and think that somebody else is going to take care of this and just go on with my daily business. So it's it's been hard for me uh, this, this past couple of weeks. Um, and I just wonder, where, what would the church... As a Christian, how do you go on every day when things like that are really irritating you? I'd say a good start is the Psalms. So Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, very, has a pre very present help in trouble. Even if the mountains be thrown to the sea, uh, even though the earth be removed, God's in the midst of us and cares for us. He's... He's uh, near. We can be still and know that he is God. So we preach to ourselves. I mean, that's one. I mean, uh, that sounded like a pretty confident answer and uh, maybe coming from a guy who doesn't go where you might be going or it might have gone the last couple of weeks, but I do. I mean, it feels like we live in weird times and it seems 
extremely shaky out there. Uh, you know, government um, uh, collapses and wars and uh, crazy stuff. And not just far away either. Um, a lot of weird stuff here in our land as well. Um, but we, we go to scripture and we remind ourselves that God is sovereign. He's good. He's wise. He has a plan. He's not slid off his throne. Um, we, we don't look at things simply through the eyes of these eyeballs. We look through the eyes of faith. Um, and so we, we've got to keep holding up that other reality, the unhidden reality, or the, the hidden reality, the unseen reality. I've got to keep holding that up and looking through that onto the landscape of everything we see in this physical world. Um, set our mind on things above and not just things on, on the earth. So I, my short answer would be, I'm with you. It's tough. It seems weird and scary. And uh, I sure don't trust our government to fix it, nor other governments too. But I do trust God, even in the midst of what seems like chaos. Um, and I trust him better when I pray to him about my worries. Um, Philippians 4, 6 says that. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. And I trust him better when I preach to myself that uh, it, it's not as chaotic as it seems. He's, he's on his throne. Right, can I do that? Um, we we have a pretty dramatic thing and hard thing going on in our family right now with Anise, but um, I'm reminded of a couple things. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus um, is told, they run up and tell him, hey, did you hear about that big accident, tower fell crushing these people? Did you hear about this other thing where there's a murderous evil accident, evil, horrible things happening? I think this world is groaning in birth pangs, Right? And um, if you're, what was that, little baby? If you're outside the door, you don't know what's going on in that room, in, 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 a, in the labor delivery room. All you hear is screaming. You think death. That's for the non-believer. It's a scary place. But for the believer, we're inside the room. We know life is coming, right? There's pain. There's, there's suffering. But life is coming. And, and so Jesus said... Um, to those people, do you think the people who are killed by accident or the people who killed on purpose were any less sinful than, than you? And he's talking to the Pharisees. He said, let, yet, yet, if you do not repent and believe, you will likewise perish. I hear for non-Christians, Syria, Kenya, accidents, they're reminders. They're, they're, they're warning shots. They're warning shots that say, it is only going to get worse from here. And we ought to be thinking about that. It's only going to get worse for those who do not believe after this life. And for those who do believe, this isn't your home. This isn't our home. We're, we're just passing through. And we're headed to a home where these kinds of things don't happen. And it's through Jesus' blood. And, and we have that on our lips as people are hurting. Because people are asking these same questions. Non-believers are asking. They're, they're afraid. They don't know what's going on either. That's great. Thanks, gentlemen. I have a question here from the very, very back row. Clint's wife, in the back row, hey. uh, Joanna Moore. Here you go. Wow, what a fantastic introduction. Um, I have two questions. One maybe could answer about the SNAP care team. Maybe you could, or Clint, whoever could kind of explain what that is and if people want to be a part of that, how they can jump in on that. The other thing being, um, are we planning to do short-term trips to North Africa, kind of like we do to Guatemala with the whole idea of 
it not, I don't want to say not as safe there, but maybe it's just a little more risky for groups of Christians to come in and, and do little clinics or whatever. So. That's a good question. Good two questions. I think you broke the rules. But, um, uh, yeah, we, we've had two meetings now with our, our care team, um, made up of people in the church uh, that are going to be helping with different um, aspects of us living overseas, uh, just sort of people that can uh, head up uh, efforts to encourage us while we're there, to get people mobilized to go over there, to help whenever we come back. Um, and it's, it's really a neat group of people that we're very excited about to, to help support this initiative in North Africa. Uh, and Greg and Nancy Dart uh, are the ones leading that up, and you can talk to them. Uh, about you know how you might be able to help uh, for the care team. Second question was about uh, short-term trips to North Africa. Um, it is a different animal um, because in North Africa they don't allow missionaries. So how to get groups of people into the country to do ministry is different than what it looks like in countries that allow missionaries. Um, we are hoping that the things that we do over there, our professional lives will allow us to bring in, in people in some capacity. We can definitely have friends and tourism is huge there, so it's, it's not going to be tough to get people in the country to do tourism. But as far as hands-on ministry, the same that we do in Guatemala, it might be different. But yes, the goal is that we would have regular people coming from Desert Springs so that there is this um, connection to North Africa and to the North African peoples there. And so we just have to be creative in how we're going to do that. JR. What is DSC's views on corporate prayer? And then why or why not are corporate prayer meetings held? I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> what's our view of corporate prayer? We believe in it. Um, if by that you mean praying together, uh, we do that anytime we get together. There is, there's no meeting where we don't, don't pray in some way, uh, shape, or form. Um, we have in the past done various prayer meetings, um, probably before you've come to the church. It has been a while. Um, it's probably slipped off our radar. I think that's maybe the, the, uh, the most honest answer. Um, so there's not been an intentional move away from prayer meetings or getting together to pray for specific things at specific times. Um, in the past, we've done things like a prayer emphasis week, and uh, it's been a while since we've done one of those. But at one of those, it would be something of an intentional get-together-for-prayer kind of thing. Um, keep in mind, too, that prayer often happens at a very intimate level in community groups. And that would be a great way for prayer to for take place and for you to grow in prayer and pray together and pray for specific needs. Um, and we also want to encourage prayer with our, you know, our prayer force email that keeps people up to date on different needs in the body um, and then encourage you to pray for those needs individually or, or in your families. So in short, um, we could do better. It's probably slipped off our radar some. It's, it's an easy thing for us to be less intentional about than other things. And that's just owing to our, our own sin and neglect. 
Thank you for all of your very good questions that you submitted over the last few weeks and that you've asked tonight. Um, these evenings are for these elders are a real blessing and an encouragement. So thanks for making it so. What a great church we have here. So let's close the night out by listening to our men. If men, if you would, I will work down the line from Ryan to Clint. Uh, brief statements of thanks to God for very specific things that you're thankful for, uh, to him for in our church. Well, I'm glad I get to go first because uh, I think others would have used this one. Uh, I, 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 I marvel at our giving um, for missions and the growth of that. I, I think there's probably a way to do the math, not like tricky math, but uh, if you consider our math with... Um, redemption giving that happened, you know, a year ago and is continuing to happen. Um, but the money that was raised then and, um, and, and that's been continued to be raised since, uh, our missions giving has almost tripled. Is that fair to say? So that's just really encouraging um, as opposed to just 10% of the budget going there. Uh, we've, we've added to that in ways that I didn't expect. When I first heard the plan about uh, giving to North Africa, and we were going to fund two families, and we were going to plant a church in Rio Rancho. I kind of went, well, that's a good old swing for the fences. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Maybe we'll get a double out of it or a single or something. Yeah, let's do it. We'll try. I had little faith. So praise God. You know, when I was, uh, heard I was going to be answering this question, I, I couldn't help but reflect on how grateful I am for all of the growth and, um, that I've seen in members of this body who aren't interdisciplined right now. Uh, people stepping up in, in community groups and leading and people, uh, uh, just the tremendous growth that God is giving on, at the grassroots level to our members, not just in numbers, but in character and in maturity. So uh, that's what I was prompted to, to be thankful for. I don't know if this will really exactly follow your instructions, Trent. I think we're supposed to be thankful for things more that are on a congregational level. Uh, but I'm very thankful that Ryan preaches faithfully through the scriptures. Uh, and by that I mean, in part, I'm sure there are dozens of times a year when he gets requests that say, can we do a Sunday for this topic? And you preach, people might not use the word topically, but that's what they mean. You preach on this subject because uh, it's a felt need somewhere in the world or in our country. Uh, and instead, he, and it's really the elder board, and it's, in a sense, all of us as a church, because I think we all buy into this, sign off on this, and cheerlead this, uh, says, no, we're going to hear God's voice and not kind of our own thoughts or opinions or, or problem-solving principles for you know, what we see around us in the world. And so we hear you know, a series from New Testament and then Old and then New and then, the, then another part of New, and so I'm very thankful that we can come on Sunday and hear what God has to say to us uh, from his scriptures the way he put it together. So that's about it. Uh, my family has had the privilege of going to the majority of the community groups this year, and we still are visiting them, talking about the North Africa initiative. And uh, I'd say what I'm thankful for is seeing the one another's, seeing the deep relationships that's sort of related to rags, just seeing the the close relationships in this church. And it's just been so encouraging for us to see the body 
uh, to meet a bunch of new people, but the growth, the, the deep relationships, it's been great. Um, I was at, out on the res this weekend um, at a church called Good News Church, and it was really cool to see um, them all growing as well in a small congregation. But I missed Ryan's sermon, so I listened to it when I went to the gym early this week. And some one thing that he said kept just recurring in my mind, and that is Aslan is on the move. And um, these are all ways in which it's happening. It's, uh, we, got, we got on their way out. We got Carolyn Rodrigo coming in at the end of October, just so we can love on them and bless them. They've been on a sabbatical up in uh, Wyoming, and it'll be great to see them and love on them, the, the missionaries in Guatemala that we support. Um, it really seems like Aslan is on the move, and I just want to be really thankful for my community group, because recently we've been sharing the gospel with some friends of ours, and, and they've come to faith. Um, they've, they've confessed faith and repented and, and they seem to be reborn in, in Christ now. And our group has done an amazing job of saying, you are in our family now. And that means we're going to bring meals to, um, a place we've never been and knock on a door we've never walked through. And, and, and I'm really thankful for that community. And that has been, that's, that's in 28 community groups and, and over almost 300 people in our church are in community groups. So Lord willing, that's going to be happening more and more and may God bless it. And I, if I was sitting right there, I would say uh, uh, the unity, the gentleness, the biblical faithfulness, and the perseverance of our elders. So it's been a pleasure to sit in on their meetings uh, since I moved here. And what you see is what you get. These men really love each other. They love their church. Uh, they're faithful in prayer, faithful at the word, gentle. And uh, that is... M- that is a huge reason for thanks and praise to God. I'll close with by reading a scripture from uh, the book of Hebrews, and then we'll be dismissed. Author of Hebrews and the Holy Spirit through him writes this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You are dismissed.